This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Patchy drizzle, rain today, patchy fog, high near 40. Tonight, rain, patchy drizzle. With uh, patchy fog or low around 40. On Thursday, again, patchy drizzle and fog with rain and cloudy skies with a high near 46. Some members of the New York State Assembly and Senator are working to prohibit children 12 and under from playing tackle football. Assemblyman Michael Benedetto introduced the legislation over a decade ago. The Bronx Democrats said the bill finally gained a sponsor in the state Senate last year. Speaking on WNBF Radio's Binghamton Now program, Benedetto said the goal of the legislation isn't to hurt football. He said, quote, we love this game, but we want to protect young people when they play it. Benedetto said research shows that head injuries sustained by children playing tackle football can lead to permanent health issues. He said waiting a few years before allowing young people to start the sport would help prevent damage to developing brains. California Governor Gavin Newsom recently rejected a measure to prohibit youth tackle football in his state. He said an outright ban is not the answer. Benedetto said he understands that some people believe it's a parental right to guide their children when it comes to something like tackle football. But he pointed out that policies on many health-related issues involving kids have changed over the years as a result of ongoing research. He acknowledged there is strong opposition to his proposal. He said it's an issue that makes a lot of people very angry. A man has been convicted of second-degree murder for fatally shooting a young woman after the SUV she was riding in mistakenly drove into his rural driveway in upstate New York. A jury found Kevin Monahan guilty on Tuesday in the shooting of Kaylin Gillis on a Saturday night last April after she and her friends pulled into his driveway near the Vermont border. They were trying to find another house. Authorities say Monaghan came out to his porch and fired twice from his shotgun with the second shot hitting Gillis in the neck. Monaghan maintains it was an accident involving a defective gun. He is now facing up to life in prison. The operator of a sport utility vehicle was injured when it veered out of control down an embankment, flew through the air and slammed into a few trees in Johnson City. The crash happened at the north end of 2nd Street around 8.40 a.m. on Tuesday. A witness told WNBF News he was talking with his brother at the east end of Endwell Street when he saw the car become airborne before striking a, cr- a tree. He said he indicated the SUV appeared to be moving at a high rate of speed when it flew off the end of the neighboring dead-end street. The 2018 Toyota RAV4 came to a rest at the bottom of the embankment just a few yards from Norfolk Southern Railroad tracks. According to Johnson City Police, the 68-year-old woman who was driving the vehicle experienced health issues, which caused her to crash. The driver was taken to Wilson Medical Center in Johnson City for treatment of minor injuries. Police said no charges would be filed in connection with the crash. 
And New York City police sergeant who hurled a plastic cooler at a man fleeing officers on a motorcycle, causing a crash that killed the rider, has been charged with manslaughter, criminally, criminally negligent homicide and assault. A judge in the Bronx set Eric Duran's bail at $150,000 at an arraignment attended by other police officers. 30-year-old motorcyclist Eric Dupre was pronounced dead within minutes of being struck on a Bronx sidewalk last August. Police said Dupre had tried to flee on a friend's motorcycle after he was caught selling drugs to an undercover police officer. George Sidlar of Davenport was convicted on January 19th in the town of Courtright, according to the Delaware County District Attorney. Sidlar was charged with falsely reporting an incident to 911 on July 6th of 2023. The case was transferred to the town of Courtright after the Davenport judge recused himself, citing a potential conflict of interest as the defendant was running for Davenport town judge at the time he was arrested. The allegations were that Sidlar called 911 and reported that his neighbor had committed a crime despite knowing that his neighbor had not committed a crime. Further allegations were that the defendant had engaged in this behavior on approximately two dozen occasions after being told by police that any dispute he had with his neighbor was civil and not criminal. A jury deliberated for less than one hour before they found Sidlar guilty of the charges. He faces a sentence of up to one year in jail. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now, Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. 607-772-1290 is the number. Plenty of time, plenty of lines. Get in the queue. Want to talk. Here at News Radio, WNBF 92. Point one FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. It's Rob from Port Crane. How are you? Good morning. Good morning to Port Crane and all points beyond. How's it going? It's going great. Hey, I sent you an email this, this morning with the address for uh, uh, Carrie Lake's. Somebody tried to bribe Carrie Lake, the head of the Arizona Republican Party. He said that he was sent there from people from the East. It's like a 10-minute audio that she, I think she released it, but it was in the Daily Mail. It's where I saw it was reported. But th this guy that's head of, the, head of the party, he came and offered her money to get the hell out of the race for two years. And she's, she stuck to her gun. She said, no, it's un-American. I'm not going to do it. This woman's good. Well, she's great. She and great. I'll, I'll say this about Carrie Lake. I'm glad she got out of the TV news business. At one point, as you may know, she was in the TV news business. In fact, I do know. Uh, for a short time, she was an anchor up in Albany. Unfortunately, she got the heck out of that business because what can you accomplish being part of the liberal media? And then she um, went to Arizona. And for a time, she actually worked in Phoenix at Fox 10 in Phoenix. But now she's... Um, actually making an honest living by running for office. 
<laughs> I know. I, I almost cracked myself up there. You know, it was. It was good, Bob. But uh, anyway, she is. Uh, she's heavily involved in politics. Interestingly, or maybe coincidentally, I heard an interview with her yesterday. I'm trying to think. It was on radio. I'm trying to reconstruct. Was she on? You know, if uh, Hannity had her, I think she might have been on with Hannity yesterday I don't know. afternoon. I don't I don't watch Fox. No, well, no, it was on radio because no. I, I know I was driving around. It was definitely not a TV interview. Wish it was because she uh, she's uh, memorable on TV. She's memorable on radio, but me- more memorable on TV. Well, you um, know who else had a really good ap- appearance on the uh, with the UN Security Conference? Jimmy Dore addressed the conference. The Jimmy Dore? I didn't. Oh man, I had he, no idea. He's a brilliant uh, political analyst. He really is. He's, well, he's I know. I Now, here's the thing, and I haven't listened to too much of him. I know someone who listens to a lot of him and, and subscribes to, I won't say 100% of his views, but a high percentage of his views. So sometimes, and you don't need to know this, but sometimes we have, I call them focus groups where people who are very plugged in to local and national issues, discuss things to help um, give me a sense of where the people are. And so frequently, it might be once a week or every other week, we have these discussions and it's not uncommon that I'm hearing a lot about what Jimmy Dore is up to. So He's, just, really, he's, he's really done uh, amazing work. His, his, his website there, that jimmydore.com, it's one of the best sources for news. It well, really, I really is. I can't. I won't vouch. I, I, you know, I never endorse websites or or news org. I mean, you know, the way I look at it, it you can never have enough sources. So it could be, That's right. it could be Jimmy Dore, it could be Newsmax, it could be. Well, I'm Alex not gonna, Jones. I was wow. just about to say that. Hey, and I, we, I I had to bite know, my tongue because I I don't want trouble. Well, remember back in June of two thousand and one, on June eleventh, he had a show where he said that they, whoever they are, they were going to have a coup against the U.S. and they were going to blame bin Laden for it. And what do you know? Three months to the day later, it happened. That's because he has whistleblowers on his show. Well, I don't I don't doubt he has sources. I'm just saying sometimes, and don't take this the wrong way, even a sick chicken can find an acorn. So, well, you know, I mean, and we wish the best for the chicken up until the point that it becomes property of Chick-fil-A. The good thing for chickens is that they don't have to uh, they don't have to meet their ultimate destination on Sundays. So that's a good well, Bob, thing. I could really I could use your your help and your listeners help. I've been searching for Liz Cheney's book online. Yeah. And I cannot find it in a nice soft two ply. <laughs> You're harsh. Hey, have a good day. Have a good day. You One do. of these days, we'll get Carrie Lake on the program because I have a few questions for her. A few questions. Actually, some would be politics, but some would also be media. And the thing is, since she did work in Albany, as uh, as I said, as an anchor up at, what was it, Channel 10? She worked, I think it was Channel 10 in Albany. Uh, yeah, well, WNYT. Of course, now it's virtual channel 13, I guess. Virtual. She worked at WNYT, so. That's what we have in common. We both have uh, endured upstate New York media. She, 
got out and now is making a name for herself in Arizona. It's 915, Bob Joseph Live, WNBF. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, good morning there, Bob. It's uh, Dave from Vestal, and you are right. Um, it was on Hannity. You saw the Carrie Lake interview. There. Yeah, I didn't hear uh, the whole thing, but yeah. I heard. Yeah. I think I heard at least the last five minutes. I enjoyed hearing her. I, I didn't realize if I had known she was going to be uh, chatting with John Hannity yesterday, I would have uh, tuned in for the whole thing, but I only caught probably the, the final half, the last five or six minutes. She's a smart lady, Bob. Oh, she's, she's brilliant. She is brilliant. Yeah. No, she really is. She's I, smart. Um, she is a very, very smart. Uh, speaking of uh, of VPs, because you know she is in the running. Of course, they're they're throwing her name around as someone Trump uh, would choose for VP. I would and, vote for her. Well, no, I. I'm I, kidding. I, I am kidding. No, I would not vote no. for her. I, I'm, and again, this has nothing to do with politics. I just don't think she has the necessary, the requisite experience, I mean, even to be mayor of Binghamton, you have to have a certain level of experience before you can take office. And at this point, even though she has uh, a great resume in the lucrative world of TV journalism, her political experience is, is not what it ought to be to hold office yet. Boy, Bob, you're making quite a case against uh, Kamala, aren't you? <laughs> Anyways. Um, Kamala Harris, I think, is doing... Doing better than expected. That's how I would put. Well, you're talking about experience. I just had to throw her in there. <laughs> well, you know I, I, when <laughs> I put it like that, people are saying, gee, Bob, we know you choose your words carefully, so that sounds like faint praise. Kamala Harris is doing better than expected. Yikes. <laughs> I, don't well, mean, I don't mean anything bad by that. No, I know. But, you know, Bob, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the VP. You know, assuming it's going to be Trump against Biden, we, we know that. But, Bob, you know, I've been thinking if, you know, 70 percent of the country does not want to see this matchup, they, they look at they look at Biden, they yuck, look at Trump, yuck, look at Harris, yuck, yuck. And now Trump's got a chance to put some he had a, some some shining star, some bright figure, somebody that stands out. Above all three of them. And, Bob, I'm thinking somebody that, I don't know, somebody that exudes uh, strength, confidence, uh, intelligence, somebody that just share. No, <laughs> no, somebody that Wait, looks share, apart. Wait, share is older than Trump. Somebody that looks apart. Tracy uh, Chapman. Looks an ex-presidential, Bob. I think it would go a long way. I think he would just, he, he would wipe Biden out if he had somebody sitting there looking like that and acting like that. No, I'm serious. I mean, because look, look at the group you got. I mean, I love Trump, but <laughs> a lot of the country hates Trump. But still, VP, in other words, I'm saying the VP is going to be more important in this election than probably in the history of this country, Bob. I believe. By the way. I, I was right when I said Cher is older than Trump, but I but only by three weeks. Get this. Get this. Cher was born on May 20th, and then three weeks later, approximately, on June 14th, Trump was born. So isn't that interesting that age-wise, they're just less than a month apart? Who knew? And she looks much better. Hey, before I go real quick, Bob, you know, yesterday you had that councilman, I think. Wasn't he from the Bronx? You were talking to him? 
Uh, he was the uh, state assembly member from, uh, assembly. I think, the North Bronx, Michael Benedetto. Right, and you know what, Bob? Listening to him, he, he, he you know, he reminded me of it, it because we had that New York that that accent there. The, the guy I miss calling in there, that time from Susquehanna. Remember, he said he was never going to call again. And if he was, if he's listening, Bob, I wish he'd reconsider because I miss hearing that guy. He was. He was. He had that accent. Always called you Bobby. Plus, he was I a like former you. NYPD cop. Yeah, I like. I like hearing from him. And you know, it, you know, when we interact on, on your show, I mean, you, you can only take things personal for like five minutes, and then you got to let it go. So if he's listening, I wish you call in and keep Bobby on his toes, will you? Somebody has to. Yeah. Yeah. All right, thanks. That's the uh, story from Vestal, making contemporary news. It's 9.20. This is Bob Joseph Live. WNBF serving America. This is all I got. A microphone and a telephone. At least the microphone works all the time. 607-772-1290. What's on your mind? Why not tell everyone right here on Binghamton Now? From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. Hi. This Wednesday at WNBF 924 with Binghamton now. John from Binghamton, good morning. Hello, Bob. Uh, I've been looking through dozens and dozens of uh, Broome County financial ethics disclosures. That's what I do at night before I uh, fall asleep. And it cost me a king's ransom, you know, all the copies. Uh, I'm amazed at how some people are very fastidious and organized and submit rather complete, to my knowledge, based on what I know about them, disclosures. And others, uh, (laughs) uh, sparse, very sparse and probably inaccurate disclosures. Now, uh, it's uh, under the penalty of perjury. So I'm going to ask uh, newly uh, elected DA Paul Battisti, if he's willing to go after these people uh, for perjury. Uh, but uh, there's some people that actually, uh, actually uh, put in a separate sheet. They're very, uh, I mean, I can name them. I mean, I'm complimenting. Right, no them. need I, to name names. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the overall, and this is sort of, um, I'm looking at the big picture, overall, 
if you're a public official and you're supposed to file these disclosures overall, I think it's incumbent on you to do it as thoroughly and honestly as possible. I will say it's always conceivable that there could be an honest error or some oversights, but for the most part, I think I think it's it shows it's an act of good faith if under law you're required to fi- uh, fill out the financial disclosure uh, forms and do it as close as you can to being complete. I mean, nobody's perfect, but you strive for perfection and completeness. Well, what's interesting is, uh, you know, when I filed the Freedom of Information request, the county then gets a hold of these people uh, that, that filed um, the ethics disclosure and gives them essentially a chance to revi- uh, revise What? It. Yeah. Wait, yeah. <laughs> something, I mean... I, I guess I guess if you're looking only for uh, thoroughness and 100% accuracy, I guess I guess I understand that. But for some reason, it seems to me what they should do is first release all the stuff, and then maybe simultaneously say we received a legitimate request from a Broome County resident for this information, and as um, required under law we did provide the information with the probably requisite redactions but we we provided the information uh to comply with the legitimate information request and now that that information's released you do have you always have an opportunity to revise your forms i don't think that anybody needs a heads up before it's released i mean that that sort of defeats the purpose well, and, you know, there's a lot of things that are not required with the county uh, ethics. I mean, your home mortgage is not required to be listed. Uh, property that's uh, more than five miles out of Broome County is not to be. So what types of things generally are, are supposed to be included? Well, when I, when I, uh, this, uh, what's interesting is I filed this, you know, FOIL request for, for, for all of them that they had on hand. And. Uh, after I filed a, a, a very high up person in the community uh, wrote an email with all these uh, addendums <laughs> to it, saying that uh, she didn't understand uh, the the uh, ethics form, you know. <laughs> so it's it's a uh, it's it's interesting to me, but either it has teeth or it doesn't. You know, there's a fellow up in Albany now. Uh, I think he's a state official that also has to file federal ethics disclosures, and uh, there is a disparity uh, between the two. He's being called on on the carpet. But but my point is this. There's people here that are loudmouths for economic development. You know, They want to throw our taxpayer money out. I've looked at their ethics forms, and they have, uh, if you were to believe it, uh, they have no investments whatsoever. I mean, they don't have a mutual fund. Uh, they, they don't have anything. So here's people acting uh, like they're God's gift uh, to Broome County, taking chances, uh, risky chances with our money, putting all these wheeling and dealing, uh, putting all these things through, and yet they have no personal investment. So that shows me, that shows me either the forms are incomplete or uh, they're loudmouths that have no idea uh, 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 of, of risk. And, uh, Bob, one last thing I'll give you. There was another little energy meeting at the incubator at Channel 34, covered it yesterday. 
at the same time uh, that IM3 and Magnus are finished, uh, you wonder, uh, you know, if you look back since uh, Solar City and all these things, uh, plug power, I mean, the state of New York, Film Hub, the state of New York has lost uh, billions of dollars, like four or five billion dollars, maybe more in all these deals. And, and they cited like Roger, the Rochester Battery Hub is finished. I mean, what are these people doing? That's an excellent question, and I hope it's answered soon. Thank you. I'm looking at the, um, and thanks for calling my attention to Jim Emke's story at BinghamtonHomePage.com. It's uh, New Energy New York. And his story says, New Energy New York is looking for startups to play a role in developing the local energy storage ecosystem. So, you can read the entire story. I might read more of the story in a few moments. That's at BinghamtonHomePage.com. Charge up accelerator program. Sounds like something would use for your Tesla when the temperature drops to minus 20 Fahrenheit. And you have to be to work in 12 minutes. The Charge Up Accelerator Program. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes. Jill of Greater Ithaca would like to speak about abortion. And I see where the headline in the newspaper says, Dems believe abortion will motivate voters. And I think that's very true. And I think it's going to make a big difference. I was watching uh, C-SPAN. And they had a call-in. The call-in was for women about abortion. And uh, four out of five of them, some of them very upset about the uh, restriction on abortion. And uh, some of them told tales of how, like, in the one had one there in the 50s, and uh, someone that was a teenager went for way out of their way to get an illegal abortion, and it, it turned out okay with it. But just some of the things that you go, you're going back to now, you know, that uh, abortion is harder to get in some places. You know, one of the things, and I touched on this, I think, on Monday, I don't understand how the Republicans generally think that they're going to win on this issue because, as you know, men in this country are, are in the minority. I believe... I believe men are outnumbered. I think it's about, I looked up the numbers on Monday. Men are outnumbered. It's basically 51 to 49%. So here we are men. We're a minority group. And I don't understand whether it's Republicans or anyone else. If they don't pay attention to issues that are very important to women, I don't see how they're going to win in November. Well, it's, it's mega mania. Well, yeah, but on. still. Still, don't you think... They, they want America to be great again. Is it just for men? Well, I think the whole picture is insanity. You know, it's How? Like a, they don't Ex care. Explain. Elaborate. How well, is this what picture I, what insane? I, yeah, what, I, what I'm saying is all, that, all, that, all the things about people getting behind, behind uh, Trump, is, it's not even thinking. It's just uh, they're just behind him no matter what he does, you know, and, uh, like the illegal stuff. It's just a good example of getting behind him no matter what he does. Like you kill somebody on Broadway. Who cares, you know? Like Not on Broadway. Avenue. Don't you? That, he said Fifth Avenue. He wasn't talking well, about one. shooting I mean, anyone on Broadway. He knows <laughs> He knows better than to shoot someone on Broadway. 
I'm up in the ante. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but uh, yeah. me, here's what I think the, the situation is. The uh, you see, you have a Republican couple, always have been, and the guy's sticking with it, and the woman would normally do that, but she's not going to come out, you know, and say, "Well, I I would be voting for Trump again, except for this," you know. All she's got to do is vote, and he's not going to know it. So and I that's think the thing. Some... I I think you're onto something. You know, a lot of a lot of women might outwardly appear to be. 100% conservative Republicans, but once it comes to the secret ballot, they they may be inclined to protect their rights. And again, this is so important for, I think, for all of us to consider because in, in the era of the numbers, in case people doubt it, uh, in the United States, there are about, this figure is now about a year and a half old, there are 168 million females in about three million fewer males. So again, men are outnumbered. And therefore, unless, here's Joe from Greater Ithaca, here might be the only solution for a Republican candidate. The only solution might be to suppress the vote of women in November and try to encourage more men to vote in the general election. That might be one way to prevail. Well, suppression has been a key all around. Yeah. I'll say one more thing about this. Right as it stands now, we have abortion states and non-abortion states. Hey, now, that's one of the worst things. It's like as if you had part of the some states prohibition and some not. You don't have the same rule throughout the land, and that is always a problem when you have something different, whichever way you're going to go with it, you know, 100% one way or another. But also, you know, I always like to compare U.S. to Canada. When we say we have our, our inflation is too high, our economy is bad, you look at Canada, they got practically the same thing that we have here. You know, it was the, the same problems, the same situation, the same level, and all those kind of things. So always people looking around and say, well, the economy is bad, and and uh, even they won't look at the figures. <laughs> just another something I throw in, because Canada, you know, those that can afford it can just go to Canada, even if they live in the southwest. They can, they can just travel up there, and nobody's going to stop them. You know, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what men have to say about it anyway. It should be... Uh, I mean, men, men, obviously, we can express our opinion, but ultimately, it's it's an issue that is of such vital importance to women. I, I personally, would be shocked that, that many, I'm not saying that any, that many women would vote for a candidate who wants to infringe their rights to control something this important. Even, even if, even if you are uh, totally 100% against abortion, that at least it preserves the rights of other women. Nobody, nobody is forced to undergo it, but going forward, you know how people would would want to vote to reduce their rights over something this this is critical. I would think for everybody, every every woman, or as uh, some people would say, every person who might get pregnant. 
Well, I think in the long run, that's where it's going to go. Where yeah. it's going to go because the women are more getting more. More women are getting educated. Women are getting more power. It's just a matter of time before the balance changes. Yeah, very interesting. Appreciate the call. That's the report from Greater Ithaca making contemporary news. This is Bob Joseph. We're taking calls at 607-772-1290. Binghamton Now, WNBF. WNBF, more calls more often. Warren from Sydney. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Sam. And going to the gentleman you just had talking about the women with the abortion. I saw the same on C-SPAN that he saw. What women are not understanding, and I don't understand why they're not understanding is, Abortion was not taken away from them. It was kicked down to the states as by our original constitution of our forefathers. A lot of the issues are supposed to be down to the state level, not at the federal level. And for women, like last night they were talking, uh, abortion was like number five down on the list of the reasons why they voted, the reasons why they did for who they voted for to throw your vote away when there is so much more illegal immigration, inflation, cost of fuel, gas, eat your home, put in your car, world uh, issues for to waste your vote on just abortion is lunarcast. Well, says you. You're going to get pregnant any time in the next 30 years? No, but it takes two to tango, doesn't it? And doesn't a man have a... <laughs> shouldn't a man have a say in the matter, too? Sure. <laughs> sure. In, in the end, everybody gets a say. Oh. But that's what I'm saying. To let our country get ruined over that issue when it's not been taken away from you in the first place. Well, of course, you don't have to worry about it. A lot of other people do. Most Americans, and when I say most, that's about 51% of the population, is probably concerned about it. Again, 168 million females versus 165 million males. So, yes... The 165 million males, hey, I'm sure they have a say, but they're not as directly affected by this. And that's why there could be a huge implication in November. It's 943 at WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Good morning, Bob and Vestal. Yeah, that... uh I don't understand how many different ways is there to come to not get pregnant. Why is this even an issue? Because unfortunately it is. I don't I'm not going to expound on it, 
it's a big issue for many, many, many tens of millions of Americans. So may not be an issue to you, but it's a huge issue to many of your fellow Americans. Okay, let me state my don't talk over me. Now listen, I've never slipped one by the goalie all the years I was sexually active. Women take precautions. Why aren't these women smart enough to take precautions? They wouldn't have to worry about an abortion. Do you get my drift? I do. I do. Thank you. It's 944 at WNBF. Joe and Owego, you're on the air. Hi. I was going to spend most of the day, you know, being refreshed by yesterday's conversations about gathering information, utilizing it, sharing it, making it more available. But I have fallen into the trap of the abortion issue. It was pointed out that there are so many other things that may be significant in maintaining an opportunity to even consider the abortion issue. In other words, we need to keep the country functional. We need to keep the privileges that we have available and so forth. And I think people need to stop and take a deep breath and take a look at what this whole deal is. Are you willing to put the ability or the opportunity to kill an unborn fetus, unborn fetus or even kill them after they've hit the table because you made a mistake, you choose not to, blah, 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 blah. It's, to me, it's a sense of values. What do you value in terms of your existence and your survival? And before I you know, go berserk, um, I'll say thank you very much for the opportunity. But is the opportunity to kill an unborn individual that significant? I'll leave it right there. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Joe. It's 945. We're taking a lot of calls this morning. Don't worry. If you haven't gotten through yet, you still have a chance. We're here till noon on Binghamton Now. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. This is Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. Shannon in Endicott. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. How are, How you? are you? I'm I'm doing well. How are you? Um, I'm my blood is boiling over here. <laughs> I'm hearing a lot about abortion, and not a single caller has been a female. So um, I'm calling in to give the female perspective on this whole thing. Uh, first thing I want to say is to the guys that are. Why would you hang your hat on this one issue? I would say the same to them back um, about guns, right? About guns. It's the same thing. It's a personal right. You have a very strong feeling about it. We have a very strong feeling about this. Um, there are women that are struggling finding the health care that they need, and they are putting their lives at risk. Last night, I listened to multiple stories. I wasn't on the C-SPAN thing. These are personal accounts, people who have have logged their experiences um, that live in these states that have banned or restricted abortion. Um, real quick, I'll just tell you a quick one. Um, woman and her husband got pregnant right after they got married. They were ecstatic. Uh, 15 or 19 week ultrasound appointment, baby was not thriving. Um, multiple fetal abnormalities, 
uh, long story short, was not going to survive birth if it even made it to that point. Um, the woman was in a abortion-restricted state. Her OBGYN team all recommended that she abort the fetus, but they weren't able to help her. This family is a regular family. They did not have the money or the funds to go elsewhere to get the health care that they deserved. It was a very tough decision for them, but they decided that, you know, to not put her life or fertility at risk um, because they wanted to have more children, that they would terminate pregnancy. So began the journey of trying to find a clinic outside their state that would take them. Um, finally ended up after multiple, five different states, I think she called, uh, um, one clinic in New York took her, uh, they were able to get her in a week later. She got there to the appointment, um, had to go by herself, again, had to raise money just to do all this, uh, had to leave her young child behind, just her and her husband on this trip. Her husband couldn't even go with her to the clinic because of restrictions. She found out at the clinic that her baby had already passed. Now, if this woman was not able to get this appointment in New York City, she would have been walking around with a dead fetus in her uterus and could have gone septic at any moment and died. Um, at that point, her local healthcare facility might have helped her, but it would have had to go on to that point for her to get services. So when you talk about abortion, we're not talking about, you know, the teenage mom that, you know, whoopsie, I got pregnant. Um, a lot of it is married women with children that already exist, and they're putting their lives in danger because of these stupid rules. And, I, I again, to the men that are, oh, well, they kicked it back to the state. Yep, they kicked uh, Second Amendment back to the state, too. That's why we have all of these uh, inconsistent laws and all of these problems with with guns, and that's why it's the number one killer of our children now. Because when you have inconsistency, you have harm to the citizenship, and that's what's happening right now. And you either need to get behind it, or I don't know what else to tell you because it's not going to turn out well. We already went down this path once before, and that's why we had Roe versus Wade to begin with in the first. Uh, for the yeah, it was in a, in place for a half century before yeah. the Supreme so, Court acted and 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 overturned it. Right. And so now these people from other states are overwhelming states where it is not illegal. And now people in those states are having to wait for their health care because of the influx from other areas. And so we're creating our own chaos with this mess. And um, thank you, conservatives. That's all, right. all I really wanted to say. All right. Well, thank you. And I appreciate that. And Shannon made a good point. We've heard generally from men this hour on the issue that directly affects women. So I would hope in the coming hour, if we continue discussing this issue, I'd like to hear from more women. We need to have a little more balance with our perspectives. It's 9.52 on WNBF DJ in Binghamton. Good morning. Well, before I get into that, remember James Carville said it's the economy, stupid. So that caller was absolutely right. Don't waste your vote on this when you we need the economy straightened out. And I'll tell you how it affects men. It affects men because when I pastored my first church in 1990, when some of these pastors around here were four years old and six years old, the Lord told me to put my jacket in my suit jacket in the car, and I did. I ended up going downtown. There was a thousand people gathered downtown on Front Street. I didn't know anything about this. Come to find out, Peter Jennings did a story on him, and it was the the, the um pro-lifers. And that's when I first got involved. And I heard this one 
lady say that she had an abortion and when she took a bath that night, a little tiny foot came out of her down there. And I took her down to Ridley Lowell and she told that to all the women and one of them almost threw up. They ran inside the place. It does affect men and women both. Can you imagine a little tiny foot coming out of you down? All right. I'm going to ask that you refrain from that kind of, this is not, not going to be that kind of program. So if you want to talk more, though, about the issue generally, that would be good. You know, generally, it's murder. All right. All right. So in other words, you are against women having the right to choose. It's not, it's not their right. They, they always fool you, Bob, with that. It's my body. It's my choice. And I've said before, no, it's your body if you want to get a tramp stamp or, or pierce something. But if you were to have a baby, Bob, and the baby was a month old, and you took it to a tattoo parlor to get a tattoo or took it to get its whatever pierced, you'd be arrested. How much more worse is murder? You can't do it because it's not your body. It's the baby's body. That's how they fool you. It's selfishness multiplied by billions to kill a child because you, you're because some some doctor scared you and wants you to go pay nine hundred dollars for an abortion. It's a money scam. You're not going to die. Oh, vey. So it's about the money. Yes, it's all about the money. Come on, Bobby. All right. Well, that's the uh, story from Binghamton, from DJ. Thank you, DJ. More calls coming up next hour. Don't touch that dial. Welcome. Hey, everyone. It's Wednesday. Bob Joseph, Binghamton Now on WNBF. It's bad, but, you know, things happen. By the way, WNBF covers things that happen around here, including an unusual crash that happened on Tuesday in Johnson City. An SUV wound up airborne. A woman was um, in the driver's seat, and the uh, SUV, a RAV4, wound up airborne, flew through the air, uh, down an embankment and hit some trees before coming to rest just a few yards from the railroad tracks in Johnson City. We have the complete details of the story. Woman apparently is okay. Details are on our website, WNBF.com. It's 10 o'clock. This is WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Patchy drizzle, rain today, patchy fog, high near 40. Tonight, rain, patchy drizzle with uh, patchy fog or low around 40. On Thursday, again, patchy drizzle and fog with rain and cloudy skies with a high near 46. 
Some members of the New York State Assembly and Senator are working to prohibit children 12 and under from playing tackle football. Assemblyman Michael Benedetto introduced the legislation over a decade ago. The Bronx Democrats said the bill finally gained a sponsor in the state Senate last year. Speaking on WNBF Radio's Bing Up to Now program, Benedetto said the goal of the legislation isn't to hurt football. He said, quote, we love this game, but we want to protect young people when they play it. Benedetto said research shows that head injuries sustained by children playing tackle football can lead to permanent health issues. He said waiting a few years before allowing young people to start the sport would help prevent damage to developing brains. California Governor Gavin Newsom recently rejected a measure to prohibit youth tackle football in his state. He said an outright ban is not the answer. Benedetto said he understands that some people believe it's a parental right to guide their children when it comes to something like tackle football. But he pointed out that policies on many health-related issues involving kids have changed over the years as the result of ongoing research. He acknowledged there is strong opposition to his proposal. He said it's an issue that makes a lot of people very angry. A man has been convicted of second-degree murder for fatally shooting a young woman after the SUV she was riding in mistakenly drove into his rural driveway in upstate New York. A jury found Kevin Monaghan guilty on Tuesday in the shooting of Kaylin Gillis on a Saturday night last April after she and her friends pulled into his driveway near the Vermont border. They were trying to find another house. Authorities say Monaghan came out to his porch and fired twice from his shotgun with the second shot hitting Gillis in the neck. Monaghan maintains it was an accident involving a defective gun. He is now facing up to life in prison. The operator of a sport utility vehicle was injured when it veered out of control down an embankment, flew through the air and slammed into a few trees in Johnson City. The crash happened at the north end of 2nd Street around 8.40 a.m. on Tuesday. A witness told WNBF News he was talking with his brother at the east end of Endwell Street when he saw the car become airborne before striking a, a tree. He said he indicated the SUV appeared to be moving at a high rate of speed when it flew off the end of the neighboring dead-end street. The 2018 Toyota RAV4 came to a rest at the bottom of the embankment just a few yards from Norfolk Southern Railroad tracks. According to Johnson City Police, the 68-year-old woman who was driving the vehicle experienced health issues which caused her to crash. The driver was taken to Wilson Medical Center in Johnson City for treatment of minor injuries. Police said no charges would be filed in connection with the crash. A New York City police sergeant who hurled a plastic cooler at a man fleeing officers on a motorcycle causing a crash that killed the rider has been charged with manslaughter, criminally, criminally negligent homicide and assault. A judge in the Bronx set Eric Duran's bail at $150,000 at an arraignment attended by other police officers. 30-year-old motorcyclist Eric Dupre was pronounced dead within minutes of being struck on a Bronx sidewalk last August. Police said Dupre had tried to flee on a friend's motorcycle after he was caught selling drugs to an undercover police officer. 
George Sidlar of Davenport was convicted on January 19th in the town of Courtright, according to the Delaware County District Attorney. Sidlar was charged with falsely reporting an incident to 911 on July 6th of 2023. The case was transferred to the town of Courtright after the Davenport judge recused himself, citing a potential conflict of interest as the defendant was running for Davenport town judge at the time he was arrested. The allegations were that Sidlar called 911 and reported that his neighbor committed a crime despite knowing that his neighbor had not committed a crime. Further allegations were that the defendant had engaged in this behavior on approximately two dozen occasions after being told by police that any dispute he had with his neighbor was civil and not criminal. A jury deliberated for less than one hour before they found Sidlar guilty of the charges. He faces a sentence of up to one year in jail. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now on Wednesday. And we will have more phone calls coming up later this hour. So if you didn't get in during the first hour, be prepared. I'll let you know when it's time to call in and continue our conversation here at News Radio. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Joined now by Congressman Mark Molinaro. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Everything is fine here. How are things where you are? Well, my uh, my boys had a two-hour delay, so I just got them on the school bus. My wife uh, had to go off uh, to work. She teaches preschool. Um, it's clear to me that uh, um, multitasking uh, is uh, likely a, a challenge at times for members of Congress. And... For everyone, There's a lot of <laughs> lot of stuff that needs to be done, and that what I, I find is is as uh, time goes on, no matter what your endeavor, there's always this pressure to do a lot more with a lot less. You still have only 24 hours in a day, and you have to sleep at some point, or else you're you're probably not going to be able to accomplish anything of substance. So you have announced that you are seeking another term in the House of Representatives. Tell us why you believe you should be reelected in the 19th District of New York. Yeah, I, well, I appreciate that. I, listen, I've lived upstate New York and the challenges we face. Uh, I've seen the, the businesses and the industry come and go, and I, I certainly know the potential that exists here. Uh, if we get the kind of uh, relief that we need, that means uh, cost of living uh, relief, uh, whether it's high energy costs, uh, which is why uh, we put forward an energy policy that would ultimately drive down energy costs, uh, 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 combating uh, the uh, the high cost of uh, property taxes and taxation, um, and um, uh, working obviously to to work on the state from passing down costs onto local local property taxes uh, taxpayers. Uh, it's uh, why we continue to, to try to uh, force the hand of the administration to rein in federal spending to drive down uh, the, the burden of inflation. Uh, and, and, of course, I've seen the, uh, the, the, so many of our neighbors uh, and family members leave to other states. Uh, it's uh, because of uh, 
lack of opportunity, uh, job growth, uh, uh, making sure our schools are the best they can be, uh, and, uh, and, and preserving what is very, very special about upstate New York. We don't always win the fight, uh, but it's important to have somebody in the fight. And frankly, uh, I've been in this fight for upstate New York uh, my entire adult life, uh, and I want to keep at it uh, to, uh, to make real opportunities available for the people who live here. So Josh Riley says he wants to challenge you again. So sounds like uh, a rematch is coming up this November. What are your thoughts on uh, your likely Democratic opponent? Yeah, another rematch. I'm not sure much people have uh, were, were uh, necessarily uh, putting their money on. I, I would tell you that uh, Josh began running uh, the second he conceded to me uh, last year. Uh, I just think we have different values and different experiences. Um, uh, he's represented big industry, big oil, big corporations uh, from a massive uh, Washington insider law firm in, in Washington, D.C. He lives in Washington, D.C., uh, and his experience has been, uh, you know, working with insiders in Washington, D.C. It's just not my my life experience, and certainly I don't think uh, he understands the real struggles and challenges that we face in upsta upstate New York. And I also think he'll just simply uh, rubber stamp uh, policies that have left, have left us less safe at our border. There's little question. Uh, that this administration has failed at uh, at protecting our, our southern border, certainly, uh, and uh, roll over to the policies like cashless bail and others that have just made our communities less safe. Um, but I, I think ultimately I, I want to be judged on my capacity to fight for the people I represent. Uh, and um, again, uh, you know, I've spent every day of my adult life uh, fighting for upstate uh, before becoming a member of Congress, work to lower taxes, create job opportunities, fight for those with mental illness and dealing with substance use disorder. And I will continue to be a champion for those uh, with intellectual, physical, and de developmental disabilities. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time listening to and learning from uh, the people I serve, and, I'll, and, and I don't forget who I work for. Uh, it's uh, the uh, 750,000 people who call upstate New York home in this district, and I'm learning, from, I'm learning something new every day from them, and we're going to work every day uh, for the families, farmers, and small businesses that live here. Speaking live with Congressman Mark Molinaro, who is seeking a second term to represent New York's 19th district. Well, it's uh, exciting, I guess, for some of us now that the uh, presidential competition is, is officially underway. The caucuses in Iowa last week, the New Hampshire primary. What are your thoughts on, on how Republicans have uh, been voting so far? What do you think about the results? Well, I I, you know, I've said this, I, and I'm not, I'm not ready to jump into presidential politics. New York is a bit away in the primary cycle, um, and uh, I, I certainly intend to support the uh, Republican candidate. There's still, a, uh, there's still a campaign underway. I, I want the voters to make that decision, but I will tell you uh, what I hear is consistent, and, 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 and we hear it, uh, whether it's New Hampshire, Iowa, or upstate New York. Um, too many people are, are rightfully mad that their government doesn't respect them. Uh, that they don't see uh, their uh, elected officials working to, to, to address the challenges they face, uh, and they just w they want to fight her. And, and I think that, that that's going to play out on the national scene, presidential uh, politics, and it's going to play out locally. Uh, they, the, the voters are, 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 are truly upset, and, and this is broad, broad spectrum here. This is not just Republicans. Truly upset that their government too often disrespects them, that uh, it seems that only the insiders get to, uh, to make the decisions. And uh, that they and their kids continue to, to, to shoulder increased cost uh, and less opportunity. And uh, that's going to play out. It's going to play out pretty, uh, pretty vi vividly. And um, I, I just, you know, as I've said consistently, I'll work with anybody who's, who's earnest about solving problems, irrespective of party. 
I just don't think that uh, this president and this administration is, is earnest about some of the biggest challenges facing us, border security, China, national debt, uh, and confronting uh, you know, the real challenges real people face. You can't just cut, cut checks with money you don't have. You've got to provide a real meaningful uh, benefit to those who struggle hard, and uh, uh, there are too many who feel overlooked by, by their federal state government, and they want to fight her. So you would consider supporting Donald Trump despite what happened on January 6, 2021? My, my position is to let, uh, let the voters of the party decide, uh, uh, but I can tell you this, I, I, I will not be supporting Joe Biden and, and intend to support the uh, nominee of the party. Do you prefer Trump over his uh, opponent, the only one who's left? She's, she's hanging in there despite the, uh, the results uh, in New Hampshire well, yesterday. I, I mean, do, would I, she, do you think she would be ultimately a, a better choice for Republicans to go against Joe Biden? Yeah, I appreciate your effort. I uh, have said again, I'm just not, I'm not wading into it. I'm uh, focused on the work we're doing here, and uh, we'll let the voters of the party make that decision. Uh, but again, I, you know, it's my expectation to support the party uh, nominee and to uh, get to work uh, uh, this November to, to make clear we can't continue down the path we're on. Uh, border security continues to be a challenge, public safety in our communities, uh, and reckless spending without concern for taxpayers. All of that needs to be confronted, and, and that's going to be my focus. So Nikki Haley, in your view, would make a good president? <laughs> I think Nikki Haley would make a much better president than Joe Biden. But again, I, I'm, I'm committed uh, to stay focused uh, on the work we're doing and uh, look forward to supporting the nominee of the party. Do you believe the results of the 2020 presidential election, that Joe Biden oh, was the winner? Yes, it, yeah, yeah we've, been, we've been having this conversation. You and I, you've asked me this before. I certainly. I know, but uh, listeners want to hear... Trust me, listeners want to hear it about every time you're on. So, I, hey, I, I, I remember your answer you. to this. Yeah, my, my answer's been yes, uh, and uh, we've been living with uh, bad policies ever since, and it's truly one of the challenges, and I mean this. You know, when you go to, uh, to Endicott, when you go to Catskill, when you go to Ithaca uh, or Hudson, uh, it doesn't matter what background people have. They, they truly are concerned that, that our country is not moving in the right direction. You know, I, I often say we, we are better than who we are today. And that doesn't mean it's one person. It's all of us. Our government uh, doesn't confront challenges that people face and too many times makes decisions in, in a vacuum. And at the end of the day, um, I, I, I'll work with whoever's at the, at the top uh, in order to ensure the people who pay the bills, the folks who are living their lives every day deserve uh, somebody fighting for them. Um, I'm, I'm going to work to address those concerns. That means uh, securing our border. It means reining in wasteful spending that doesn't produce outcomes or real results. It means uh, ensuring that uh, our rights are protected and that ultimately the people paying the bills are respected. And and that's uh, that's been my focus my whole life. And it's the life I've lived. Why can't Congress get this budget thing handled so we don't keep basically having the can kicked down the road for several weeks at a time? I mean, it just, yeah, it, it, it seems yeah, I, if, if they ran this radio station the way Congress seems to be intent, at, at least in recent years, on running the federal government, I, I would be very, very upset. I think American, Americans in general are not pleased that Congress can't get some sort of uh, a long-term budget agreement because it gets so tired hearing about, oh, the government may shut down or partially shut down. It's like... That's the, that's the only, not the only, that's the most important thing, though, ultimately for Congress, as well as the White House, keep the government running at all costs. 
Well, you know, I've, I've been committed to that, and that's, that's why we, we have kept the government funded, keeping in mind that, that failure to fund the government doesn't mean government shuts down. It means you hand over all authority to the executive, the president, and, and I just don't, I don't abide by that. I don't think that that's a, a way to run anything, although I would tell you if you had 535 people running the radio station, you would never have a radio station, and so it is a little bit different. Only in that, you know, um, there's just massive disagreement. I think what the Democrats did when there was single-party rule under, under the first two years of the Biden administration, spending $7 trillion without any concern for its impact, is no better than shutting the government down. And so uh, we're having very serious negotiations. I've been at the table. It's how we got the, the Fiscal Responsibility Act done, largest reduction in, in federal spending and, and, and addressing of debt uh, in modern history. Very important. That's the framework that finally we've agreed to for spending. Um, but but as uh, I want you to know this, and I want listeners to know this, if there's a budget bill that comes forward that guts uh, uh, farming assistance or prohibits women uh, the access to birth control, I'm going to oppose it. And because I oppose those things, you know, that particular funding bill still needs to be uh, amended. And so we just have very significant differences that we've got to get to some agree- uh, consensus on I'm at the table. I've been uh, involved in the uh, uh, conference committee on national defense between the Senate and the House, helped uh, to to craft the federal aviation policy between the House and the Senate. And so when it comes to getting the job done, I'm committed to finding that common ground. I'm also committed to to representing the interests of the people I serve. You don't want me caving in and and agreeing to either massive spending we can't afford or gutting programs uh, that need assistance, uh, that uh, that help people who need assistance. And so we're trying to navigate that in, in, a, in, a, in a House of Representatives that you know, doesn't always see eye to eye in a Senate that's uh, slow to the game many times. Uh, but I agree with you. Ultimately, this isn't any way to, uh, to budget. I never did. I, I was able to balance a budget every year I was in office and, and produce real meaningful change. Uh, but those are the kinds of things we're fighting for, and I'm hopeful uh, that we can come to an agreement soon. Um, you know, We've got the framework for it, but again, I don't think indiscriminately t- uh, spending money we don't have and taxing people without concern for the impact is any better than simply avoiding uh, continuing funding, Border Patrol, or, uh, or, or, or the programs and services that people rely on. So we're trying to find that common, that common ground. It, it's elusive, but I'm working toward it. Republican Congressman Mark Molinaro seeking a second two-year term representing New York's 19th district. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be talking again soon. You bet. Enjoy that uh, pizza, those pizza bites bites we need for breakfast. You're not supposed to be talking about what goes on behind the scenes here during the news break. That's that's why we don't do. That's why we don't have a live stream in the camera. If I'm having breakfast pizza, people would get hungry. Till, would, by the way, until by, by the way, until we get a breakfast pizza sponsorship, and then people will be like. Gee, every morning during the news, he's eating breakfast pizza. It seems like it's all tied in with that sponsorship. And you know what? That would be true. Anyway, thank you That's so true. much. Enjoy. <laughs> Have a good day. Be well. Thanks, Bob. Bye. Be well. WNBF. Yeah, the cat's out of the bag. Breakfast pizza Wednesday here at Binghamton now. Mmm, so good. One slice of sausage. Next up. Bacon. 607-772-1290. Call in. Chat. On Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. 
1027 WNBF. Back to the phones, we go Beverly in the town of Dickinson. Good morning, you're on the air. Hi, Bob. What's up? Hey, not much. Just having a good old time here at the station. You are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a good old time. Oh, yeah? Breakfast pizza. Breakfast pizza. Mm-mm-mm. Why? That ain't too bad. No, it ain't. But it's got a lot of sodium in it. Oh, yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too much, but I can't help myself. The reason that I called is I I got a, a few harassment calls yesterday from a health center. And uh, I answered it first, you know, because my nephew's phone number starts with the, the first three numbers. So I answered, and, jeez, uh, I'm telling you, they harassed me, and I go, beg your pardon? I said, excuse me, but have a good day, and they hung up. So they called back again. So I, um, I pressed ignore. Well, they kept calling and calling and calling. So finally, I called Spectrum, and they blocked the numbers. I was happy on that one. But these people, these people, they call, they call and they harass you and they keep harassing you until you say yes, you know, and that's not fair. No, it's a lot of uh, unmitigated gall. You know, I mean, to me, they're totally, they're, to- they're totally ignorant, but, you know, then they get some nasty phone calls, too, but I, I, so I, so I, um... I got smart, and they called back today, and uh, they put it on the answering answering service, and uh, I uh, I can read it because I have I have one of those caption phones, so I know what they're saying. So I called Spectrum, and they blocked the numbers. Thank God. Well, what what essentially are they saying that? That they'll send you a free breakfast pizza? No, it's a health center, and they want they want you to join, and they keep it. Well, we're not taking no for an answer, and I go, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Then they'd hang up. Yeah, I wouldn't do business with a company like that if they don't take no for an answer. That's my answer. No, take it. Like, um, like that one there, uh, uh, not too long ago. I think it was, I think it was, what was it, that that radio station, Sire? Maybe I'm not pronouncing it wrong. Oh, the Sirius Radio. Sirius uh, Radio. Yeah. And they they were harassing people that they, they wouldn't take no for an answer. So Sirius Radio? I guess the government got after them. Really? Sirius Radio was that way? Yeah. Huh. Well, that's why I don't work for them. I work for WNBF Radio. We're good people here. Yeah, well, I didn't get out to didn't get out to look for my radio yesterday because uh-huh. a nurse and uh, 
And nurses aid and physical therapy came, so, yeah. so I, have, I had a full day. All right. Well, I'm glad you called in. Glad things are going better, and I, I hope those people uh, uh, that were uh, giving you all these calls when you did when you made it clear you didn't want to talk with them again, you know. They had a lot of unmitigated gall to keep doing that time and time again. Right, Bob. If there's any, if there's people out there, will you will you pray? For, will they pray for my my family member because they have stage four kidney problems? All right. You know our listeners. Our listeners are are oh, going I to support you because they're so young. All right, our our listeners will. All right, well, our our listeners our listeners are going to support you and your family. I know. I hope so. All right. Thank you. All right, Beverly. That's Beverly in the town of Dickinson, and of course, we are a big family here at WNBF. We demonstrate demonstrate that time and time again. So we support each and every person, those who call, and of course those we don't even know. We just know there are a lot of people who are touched by the program every day, and we always wish you the best through all, all of life's challenges. I'm Bob Joseph on a Wednesday morning. It's 1033. Our number is 607 772 1290. You're listening to Binghamton Now, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the WNBF app. Ten thirty-five WNBF. Jesse and Owego, you're on the air. Wow, where did you get the hip hopper music? <laughs> back of the rack. Oh, I guess. I think that uh, goes back to probably Ralph Carroll. I would say. You know what? You really threw me this morning when you brought up that uh, survey that men are now outnumbered by women. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah, three million. There are three million more women than men. So men, whether you believe it or not, the facts are, and these are the facts: women. There are 168 million women, according to the statistics, and 165 million men, according to the statistics. So now, now, admittedly. Admittedly, those numbers are fluid because, of course, uh, you know it's it's constantly in a state of flux. But you know those are pretty accurate numbers. That's according to ABC Sports. Okay, so here's the point that I'm making: with all the gender changes that are going on today, are you sure that they are women? Sure, sure, I'm sure. It's on the internet. The internet tells. The unvarnished truth. Well, I guess that explains why it's fluid. Okay. 
<laughs> well, as I said, I'm acknowledging. I'm not saying it stays the same from one day to the next. It's always changing. You've got more more uh, being born every day, and sadly, some who leave us. But, you know, they, I mean, they, they can never give you a 100% accurate count, but that's well, that's fairly accurate, and it's been that way. As far as I know, it's yeah. been that way all my life. There have always, haven't you noticed, everywhere you go, there are always more women than men everywhere you go. Well, pretty so much. Far. Where? Yeah, yeah. Just remember, we all come with an expiration date. Sure, no which deal. is fine. That's fine. I expect yeah. that. Who wants, who wants to linger for like two or three centuries? I mean, it's uh, look at the change we've all witnessed just in our, our lifetimes, just over the last few decades. Do you want to be around in 100 or 150 years to see what, what wackiness is going on then? You think things are wild and crazy now? Wait until 2525 if we're still alive. As long as I got good music like Pink Floyd and everybody else, I could stick around for that. I'll sign All right. Right. Otherwise, so did you see the results? They had the big results out of uh, New Hampshire yesterday, home of yeah. uh, the Dunkin' Donut. Isn't Dunkin' Donut under a lawsuit, by the way? I heard that from... What do you mean? Uh, Why would they have a lawsuit against the Dunkin' Donut? Why? What did, what did they? What could they possibly have done wrong? Joe Stanley brought that up this morning with uh, Don Morgan. I'm just like, what the heck's going on there? That's interesting. So, oh, really? I didn't. Oh, okay. Now I, now I'm punching it up. Okay, I didn't hear. I always Wednesday mornings. I always try to hear Joe Stanley talking with Don Morgan on First News Binghamton at about eight twenty, and I missed it today. So now I have to punch up the story. So you're right. They, they have a thing. Yeah. Dunkin' Donuts offers, this is a headline from Bloomberg. Of course, it being Bloomberg, I think, since we don't pay for Bloomberg here. Hold on. i got to choose another story because we can't afford Bloomberg here at the station. So let me yeah. go to another website. This is, this is a better website. It's called Law and Crime. Did you ever hear of that website? Sounds like something Dick Wolf would be involved in. It says Dunkin' Donuts. Here here is the here is the allegation as contained in a lawsuit. The headline says Dunkin' Donuts discriminates against lactose intolerant customers by charging more for non-dairy items to add to coffee. So the story here says a five million dollar class action federal lawsuit accuses Dunkin' Donuts of charging more for non-dairy stuff. If you want the oat milk or almond milk to add to your coffee or tea. And the lawsuit claims the shop is violating the Americans with Disabilities Act by charging up to $2 for the items. It doesn't charge for regular milk additions. So I think whoever oh. brought the lawsuit may actually have, um, have a leg to stand on. But what I'm trying to understand, what does that have to do with someone being disabled i because because the the i and i don't have i'm not going to read the whole story i guess the the gist of it is if i may say that on the air gist the gist of it is i think that if you are lactose intolerant therefore 
you can't have milk in your coffee, so you ask them to put in some non-dairy thing in your coffee, and then they're charging you $2 more, I think the assertion is that's not fair because you have a health condition that you have little, if any, control over. Okay. So, okay. yeah, so, so that's, so I think, and again, I'm not a judge and I'm not the jury, but just reading this, skimming the article for the first time, it says there are 10 plaintiffs, including some from New York, as part of the suit. So who knows? It could be, you know, who might do a suit like this? John from Binghamton. Ah. Now, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's been in, involved in litigation before like consumer litigation. I'm not saying he's involved in this, but somebody like John from Binghamton might take the company to court. Here it says one of the plaintiffs, Chelsea Garland, said she joined the lawsuit because she feels the extra charge is unjust. She said in a statement that was re released to NBC, uh, the Duncan surcharge of non-dairy milk directly affected me, and I believe it's wrong. And again, just based on this limited amount of information and just my personal opinion, I believe it's wrong too. I think, I think if they will squirt whatever that is in, in, in the coffee, if it's milk or whatever, who really knows? But if it's milk and they don't charge you for that, then they should, if you can't, if your system can't tolerate milk, you should be able to ask for a, a non-dairy alternative at no charge. I mean, if they charged $2, if you want coffee with, with milk or cream or whatever it is, half and half, whatever they put in, and they charge $2 for it, then they can charge $2 for the non-dairy stuff too, I would think. That would be fair. I think that's going to be a very interesting lawsuit. And by the way, Joe Stanley, this guy is really kicking. He sounds really good on First News. He's come out of the closet. Well, he's great. He's the best. Yeah. And... Um, you know, he and I, a few times when I filled in for Don Morgan on First News Binghamton, he and I had just uh, non-serious discussions, but it could have turned into something serious of doing a, a two-person show just like about the law. You know, we, we could do, because that segment that he does every week at about 8.20 on Wednesdays, that's very interesting to me. But I, can you imagine if we had Joe Stanley on the program, say, once a week or once a month, and people could call in. And he couldn't, because of um, guidelines, because of legal restrictions, he couldn't actually offer legal advice, but he could offer his opinion about stuff. I mean, in the end, if you have, if you have some sort of a case, criminal, criminal or civil, you can't rely on somebody just on the radio to give you advice, but they could give you some kind of guidance or offer their opinion. And then ultimately, if you need, need true legal advice, then you have to go retain an attorney. But it still would be an interesting program. I think Joe Stanley could come up with his own radio show. He's very good. He's very astute, very knowledgeable. Yes. I think that'd be a good thing. It'd be a great thing. Appreciate your call. I'd listen to it. It's 1044. Bob Joseph. Taking the calls at 607-772-1290. You're listening to Binghamton Now on WNBF. News Radio 1290, WNBF. 
12 before the hour on WNBF. Or if you will, 1048 here in Binghamton, 748 in Malibu. There, I said it. <laughs> uh, did you hear the controversy about Barbie? <laughs> Talk about a media manufactured story. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody is aggrieved. We're all victims, aren't we? Everybody. Everybody wants an award. Everybody wants a nomination. Just be happy that you made all the money off that. I just wanted to be nominated. It's unfair. Yes, it is unfair. Go out and make Barbie too. And make another big stack of money, and you'll be nominated for that. <laughs> That's what passed for news today on CBS. Ooh, everybody's so unhappy. Yes, I bet they are. And yet, all of the people who are aggrieved about being overlooked by the awards nominations have a lot more money than any of us. So, Ooh, well, they don't like the director. They love the director. Ew. It's ten fifty. Everybody paid thirty-five bucks to go see it, right? And then the requisite fifty bucks for a tub of popcorn and a twelve-ounce cup of sugary stuff. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. Good morning. Welcome. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Bob, it's Dave again. Oh, you know, come on, that, man! I, ca- I these people who here. keep calling in. Come on, I'm 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 starting okay. to get blowback from loyal listeners. I'll, I'll let it go this time, okay. but you know me, I I don't really care if people call a thousand times a day, but I'm I'm worried about the listeners who are very sensitive. I caught that twenty five twenty five that Jager and Evans song that you brought up there, Bobby. You know, and I got to thinking. Bob, think if the world ever lasts that long, if we ever make it that long, can you picture like a a Bob Joseph, a guy with a show playing uh, bumper music, and and they put on a song. Now, picture now, in that time, in that time period, they put on a song, 2525, and people are going to say, what was that? Oh, you don't know. That was written like 700 years. I don't know how long. But it's just like this song. (laughs) Here's one. Let me see if I can find this to prove a point. Of course, now I probably won't be able to find it. Um, All right. There's a song, 1984. Oh, yeah. Remember that song? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, actually, it's not the one that I was thinking of, but wait, hold on. I'm not. Not sure that I'm familiar with this version. Hold on. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Anyway, that's some kind of a song from David Bowie uh, called 1984. But so, yes, or remember they had 2001. Remember the from the right. movie, the theme from the movie 2001 or whatever. Oh, um, Paul McCartney and Wings. They had a song called 1985. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, eventually, (laughs) you know, the year 2525, you can bet, of course, there will be, uh, what's his face, Ryan Seacrest hosting the, you know, uh, New Year's Eve show. New Year's Eve. You know, there's only uh, two minutes left in the year 2524. And you can bet 
you can bet they're going to be playing 25-25 as they glide in to the new year. And there's, there is a somewhat older-looking Ryan Seacrest saying, gosh, I wish Dick Clark was here. It, Bob, they may be saying, what kind of music is that? I mean, 700 years from now, Bob, they, you know what? I bet you they're still playing the Beatles then, too. Watch and see. Probably. Probably. Yep. Good point. Thank you, Dave. Yep. Have a uh, great no, day. You too. <laughs> yeah, they'll probably still be playing the Beatles and Taylor Swift. Probably simultaneously. Beatles in the left channel, Taylor Swift in the right channel. And they'll like it because that's the way things will be in the year 2525. I'm Bob Joseph, News Radio, WNBF. WNBF in Binghamton now. Back to the phones we go. Elson Owego, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. People have trouble with their food and so forth like I have. I work around it in a little restaurant in Owego. They try to accommodate me. I have supposed to be gluten-free. I'm in my 80s. And um, it, it is a pip. But if they have it, they have to get it in. So they have to pick it up store it and I'm just saying you know but they help me out with uh, the bread but sometimes if they don't have it I, ha- I work around it so that person that has with the coffee uh, or tea whatever that they pick it up you can't blame them they can't always keep it in and they don't know if somebody's going to stop and have uh, has to put certain kind of milk in and so forth or, or substitute but that wasn't the point. They had it, and they had it, so they charged $2 more. It wasn't the point that they didn't have it in stock. The point was, if you just wanted milk or whatever, half and half in your coffee, there was no charge. And if you wanted a non-dairy substitute, they would charge you money, maybe 2 bucks. Well, I don't know what they charge extra over by where I go, but I know they do have to charge more. Well, they don't have to. They just do. You know, and, and so we'll see how this court case goes, because if the court case goes against the Dunkin' Donut, uh, that could be um, a precedent. So other businesses that do the same thing might have to stop or else face possible litigation. Yeah, I know. But they charge me more for the bread. But sometimes I don't if they don't have it, I have to work around it. But uh, why make a big incident out of it and charge more, that much more, but they do. Yeah, you know why? Because I think uh, the company that runs the franchise operation wants lots of money. You know, for, first of all, if you squirt in whatever that non-dairy substitute is, the other type of milk, you, can t- you can't tell me that's worth two bucks. Well... <laughs> well, okay, no, I appreciate your call. Thank you. No, it's not worth two bucks. But they're, if they're charging $2 for it, seems a little overpriced. If they could 
charge exactly the additional amount, but you can bet the little bit they're putting in doesn't cost the restaurant $2. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Patchy drizzle, rain today, patchy fog, high near 40. Tonight, rain, patchy drizzle with uh, patchy fog or low around 40. On Thursday, again, patchy drizzle and fog with rain and cloudy skies with a high near 46. Some members of the New York State Assembly and Senator are working to prohibit children 12 and under from playing tackle football. Assemblyman Michael Benedetto introduced the legislation over a decade ago. The Bronx Democrats said the bill finally gained a sponsor in the state Senate last year. Speaking on WNBF Radio's Binghamton Now program, Benedetto said the goal of the legislation isn't to hurt football. He said, quote, we love this game, but we want to protect young people when they play it. Benedetto said research shows that head injuries sustained by children playing tackle football can lead to permanent health issues. He said waiting a few years before allowing young people to start the sport would help prevent damage to developing brains. California Governor Gavin Newsom recently rejected a measure to prohibit youth tackle football in his state. He said an outright ban is not the answer. Benedetto said he understands that some people believe it's a parental right to guide their children when it comes to something like tackle football. But he pointed out that policies on many health-related issues involving kids have changed over the years as a result of ongoing research. He acknowledged there is strong opposition to his proposal. He said it's an issue that makes a lot of people very angry. A man has been convicted of second-degree murder for fatally shooting a young woman after the SUV she was riding in mistakenly drove into his rural driveway in upstate New York. A jury found Kevin Monaghan guilty on Tuesday in the shooting of Kaylin Gillis on a Saturday night last April after she and her friends pulled into his driveway near the Vermont border. They were trying to find another house. Authorities say Monaghan came out to his porch and fired twice from his shotgun with the second shot hitting Gillis in the neck. Monaghan maintains it was an accident involving a defective gun. He is now facing up to life in prison. The operator of a sport utility vehicle was injured when it veered out of control down an embankment, flew through the air and slammed into a few trees in Johnson City. The crash happened at the north end of 2nd Street around 8.40 a.m. on Tuesday. A witness told WNBF News he was talking with his brother at the east end of Endwell Street when he saw the car become airborne before striking a a tree. He said he indicated the SUV appeared to be moving at a high rate of speed when it flew off the end of the neighboring dead-end street. The 2018 Toyota RAV4 came to a rest at the bottom of the embankment just a few yards from Norfolk Southern Railroad tracks. According to Johnson City Police, the 68-year-old woman who was driving the vehicle experienced health issues which caused her to crash. The driver was taken to Wilson Medical Center in Johnson City for treatment of minor injuries. Police said no charges would be filed in connection with the crash. 
And New York City police sergeant who hurled a plastic cooler at a man fleeing officers on a motorcycle, causing a crash that killed the rider, has been charged with manslaughter, criminally, criminally negligent homicide and assault. A judge in the Bronx set Eric Duran's bail at $150,000 at an arraignment attended by other police officers. 30-year-old motorcyclist Eric Dupre was pronounced dead within minutes of being struck on a Bronx sidewalk last August. Police said Dupre had tried to flee on a friend's motorcycle after he was caught selling drugs to an undercover police officer. George Sidlar of Davenport was convicted on January 19th in the town of Courtright, according to the Delaware County District Attorney. Sidlar was charged with falsely reporting an incident to 911 on July 6th of 2023. The case was transferred to the town of Courtright after the Davenport judge recused himself, citing a potential conflict of interest as the defendant was running for Davenport town judge at the time he was arrested. The allegations were that Sidlar called 911 and reported that his neighbor committed a crime despite knowing that his neighbor had not committed a crime. Further allegations were that the defendant had engaged in this behavior on approximately two dozen occasions after being told by police that any dispute he had with his neighbor was civil and not criminal. A jury deliberated for less than one hour before they found Sidlar guilty of the charges. He faces a sentence of up to one year in jail. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. WNBF Live on a Wednesday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. More calls coming up here at the station. So if uh, you still have a phone and you remember to charge it last night, be prepared to call. I'll let you know. If you're caller number five, I'll let you on the air here at WNBF. In the studio now is the Broome County historian Roger Luther. Hi. Hi. What's new in Hi, history? It's uh, any new history uh, being made? All sorts of new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it just never stops. <laughs> yeah. Never, ever stops. Anyway, thanks for popping in. Oh, it's always a pleasure to yeah. be here. Thanks. By the way, thanks, as always, for the work you do in terms of uh, interest in preserving the history and the heritage of this area. You know, it's I, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I love this job. And I'm, I, I'm learning more every day. There's always so much to learn. I mean, oh, I've, yeah. I've lived here all my life. And every time when I get to the point of thinking I know it all or almost all, then, you know, on some day I'll learn two or three other things about Binghamton or Endicott or Vestal or Johnson City, then come yeah. to realize I don't even know how much I don't know yet. 
Yeah, I'll never get to that point. As I'm, like I say, I'm learning more every day, and there's just so much information. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I, I just, the well, the you, important thing is knowing where to find the answer, I guess, the, well, the, the research part. That's the thing. And at least these days, thanks to the Internet, the research aspect is easier. Of course, the Internet isn't the be-all and end-all. I mean, a lot of times the Internet can serve as a starting point. But sometimes you can only go so far, and then you have to start resorting to, shall we say, more traditional means to yes. ferret out the information. Absolutely. Yep. So, well, I uh, saw you the other day, and I thought, um, I asked you, do you have any, any special presentations coming up soon? And it turns out, actually, you do. I do. In fact, a couple of things that we're going to mention to people I think will be of interest to uh, our listeners here on Binghamton Now. First, you've got a talk scheduled uh, tomorrow night about the life and architecture of Isaac Perry. And there's a guy. Look at all that Isaac Perry contributed to the Binghamton area. Oh, yeah, and to the state. In fact, he designed the building that we're in right now. Thank the, you the for reminding me. building. Yes, thank you for reminding me about that. I, You know, I was about to mention... Oh, of course, and of course, uh, you know, how important he was in, in uh, the movie industry because his building was featured, the Perry building was featured in Liebestrom a few decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> the movie might have been forgettable, but at least the building, the building and some of the other architecture that people were able to see here in Binghamton and Broome County, the architecture oh, yeah. looked splendid. Yeah, the buildings were the star of the of the movie for sure. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Perry did this building in uh, I think it was 1862. So that was just very shortly after he started with the castle, and uh, it was redesigned by Lacey in 1916, and then redesigned again during urban renewal in '65. But the guts of this building are Isaac Perry's guts. So this building is. I'm not good at math. 162 years old, approximately. Yeah. Well, approximately. Yeah. So here's my question. Since since you're a man with a lot more knowledge than about this building, and we've sometimes talked about it, including, uh, I think, your hope and my hope that someday we'll be able to see the exterior of the building compared to what it looks like now. Oh, yeah. the, the, that would be so cool. Yeah, the, the 1970s uh, makeover it received. I mean, it was good in the 70s, but I think going forward, we'd like to see what's under that 1970s remake. So give us a little background about how this building anyway came into being. So it, uh, tell us about its original, because it was originally built for the department store, correct? Yeah, assistance uh, store. And uh, the original building was... Uh, wood frame and it burned so the uh, Sisson contacted uh, this new architect that was in town Isaac Perry and said he wanted a fireproof building so this was uh, to be extremely fireproof it was called the granite block it was all stone beautiful building where was the original building? On this site or elsewhere? Uh, no it was not on this site it was up the street a little bit I forget exactly where so before this building was constructed for the retail outlet for Sissons, uh, what was here? Was there a, an office building? Was there a residence? Do you know? Yeah, I don't know what was here before that. 
that's your assignment. before my time. Right. That's your assignment. That'll be yet another thing, another piece of the puzzle for yeah. this particular corner at Court and State. So it was constructed in 1862. So where we're standing here, I always call it the bargain basement. I, I just can imagine, because I look back on, on some of the newspaper ads from the Binghamton Press 100 years ago and, and see what they were selling on sale in January 1924, you know, probably ladies' dresses for 2 or $3 each or something like that. Yeah. But this, this was where we are, where the studio is. This, this was part of the original building, correct? Yes. Hmm? Yeah. Have you ever been through that secret passageway right next to here? You, 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 you would be amazed to see I was some down of the in stuff. the basement, but yeah. no, a secret passageway? Well, now it's not a secret. Somebody <laughs> went and blabbed. Anyway, I can't talk about the secret passageway, but right. man, man, it's fascinating. And I guess, guess we've probably right. already said too much. Well, we won't but, mention the so secret passageway. What else happened, though? The building, the original building was constructed in 1862, and then ultimately an addition was built. Yeah, uh, Sissons was doing uh, great business. It was growing and growing and growing. And then finally they needed more space, so they added a, what is it, eight-floor uh, yeah, eight uh, story yeah. uh, to the back. And did they use much of the addition for retail, or was it only partially op uh, used for retail and then uh, the rest for office space? Do you know? I think it was all retail. Wow. Yeah. That... That would have been a lot of space for yeah. here in downtown. Been back when you'd go to a different floors for the for the departments, the different departments. Yes, yeah. the seventh floor, your computers, eighth floor, <laughs> large screen yeah. TVs, that sort of thing. But anyway, the this uh, talk about Perry, that's one of my favorite subjects, Isaac Perry. But uh, there's not a whole lot of information available on his early life and. That's what uh, I think you'll find real interesting in this talk. And that will be on Thursday night, and the talk will be at the Phelps Mansion Museum on Court Street? Yeah, it's part of their History Happy Hour series, and Water Street Brewing Company will be there serving beer and wine for the talk. And how appropriate, sadly appropriate, uh, that the, the beer produced here in downtown Binghamton by Water Street Brewing because we just learned on Monday that uh, sadly they've they've brewed the their last beer there yeah. after uh, about 12 years they're going to close their doors probably next week. It's a terrible shame. It's oh, what a loss for this community. Yeah, yeah, and and I know just from the the events that the Preservation Association of the Southern Tier has had at that site, as well as other events. People people came to, to really know and love this very special brew pub directly across from Bosco's. Yeah, yeah. We had, uh, the Preservation Association had several parties there over the years. Yeah, I hate to see them go. Well, it'll be missed. It'll be missed. I yep. um, had a, a chat on, on Monday with, with Kristen Andrasik about that decision. And, you know, unfortunately, it was something she had hoped to avoid. She, I think, had put it off really for as long as she could be, before it became uh, clear that it was just no longer sustainable. And that's a shame. Yeah. Every time that we lose a business, especially a small locally owned business, is, um, is a real disappointment. It's... Uh, the type of disappointment that 
uh, I know you and I experience when we lose a historic building because these are, are things that are, are such a, a, a critical part of who we are as yeah. a community. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me uh, some of the other things that are going to be touched on in your presentation tomorrow night when, well, when you focus on Isaac Perry. Uh, what's kind of neat is that uh, I took a drive up to where he grew up, which is Keysville, about, I don't know, 300 miles north of here, and uh, saw where he, where he grew up, the house that, uh, that he lived in with his parents. Some of his first architectural work is up there. The staircases in several of the houses were built by uh, Isaac and his father. So it was a real experience making the trip up there. So I'll be sharing uh, that information. Tell us a little more background about what we now call the Castle on the Hill, because I know that edifice, that structure has, has a special place in your heart, and it means so much to so many people here in Binghamton. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it started out as an inebriate asylum. A uh, man by the name of uh, 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 J. Edward Turner bought into the concept that alcoholism wasn't necessarily a vice. Maybe it was a medical condition that could be treated medically. So he decided he would build an asylum to do just that. Talked New York State into uh, uh, allowing that to happen as long as he raised half the money. And uh, started, he went out and found a, uh, an architect, which he happened to know. They worked uh, close to each other in New York City at the time. Brought on Isaac Perry and uh, started building it in 1858. And I know you've given so many presentations about that. I, I really appreciated one, uh, I don't know if it was a year or two years ago, that I, I was able to view online as it was being presented i, I know oh, okay. you had a huge huge number of people who watched that i think it was uh while the pandemic was still still underway and people were craving uh, oh, yeah. for something of interest to do and a lot of people were watching that day yeah that's an interesting talk for sure uh but anyway the uh, inebriate asylum uh concept failed it only lasted as an inebriate asylum for 15 years then it was turned into a state hospital served as a state hospital uh, it's uh, still on an active uh, state hospital campus but it, it finally uh, they closed the doors of the castle in 1993 31 years ago so what about the future everybody still is expressing some sort of cautious optimism about the future, even though we've been waiting for decades for something to happen that it would give us something to, to really hold on to and look forward to. There's, uh, ever since it closed, there have been things going on in the background trying to bring uh, interest in the building by potential developers. And that's still going on. We've had some, we've lost some real great opportunities over the years. And, uh, but there's still hope. And the best part is the Office of Mental Health has kept the heat on in that building. If they hadn't done that, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But the building is in uh, good condition. Structurally, it's in great condition. It's a solid uh, building. And when, when, things were, when things were built in 1858, 
things, oh, yeah. especially structures like that, they were built to last. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the good thing. Mm -hmm. well, hopefully it, we'll, it will we'll happen. Okay. Eventually that building will be saved, renovated, and used. We'll continue mark, to keep mark them my out. words. All right, all right, noted. So noted. Now the history happy hour presentation at the Phelps Museum. That'll be the Phelps Mansion Museum. Will be tomorrow night from six to eight, and people can get yes. more information on the website PhelpsMansion.org if you want yes. more details. Yes. All right. So that should be an interesting presentation. You also have something coming up this Sunday afternoon that will be of interest to many of our listeners. I know it's going to yeah. be of interest to me. I'm going to uh, hopefully be Are able you to. Are going to tune in? I will try to tune in because... Well, it's interesting. I, gotta, yeah. I, I was contacted by a museum over in Grahamsville, New York. That's, uh, oh gosh, I don't know, 200 miles from here, east on mm -hmm. Route 17. And uh, they're interested in, uh, they asked me if I would do a Zoom talk on the story of Cannonsville. And uh, so, yeah, uh, that's going to happen. It's going to be this Sunday at 2 o'clock. It should be a lot of fun. And for people here in Binghamton, you don't have to travel that distance. You can watch it via the Zoom. Right. Yeah. Right. If people want to know how to get access to that how, <laughs> is there an easy way to explain this uh to get access yeah go to my facebook page okay yeah. roger luther <laughs> there you go that's i uh and, and you mentioned this uh, uh several years ago they had a little bit of um it was a leak, a little bit of concern that uh, if they didn't didn't make some repairs fairly quickly, that there could have been a potential problem for, for some people in the area of the Cannonsville uh, Dam and the reservoir. And that's really, that's the only time I actually have been there. I'm looking at, at pictures I took in July 2015. And by then, the water level yeah. in the reservoir was extremely low. They were letting it get low because they, they needed do some repairs pretty fast because they're, uh, they, they had been doing some test borings for a hydro project that was being discussed right. in the area. Yeah. And at one point, somebody started to notice, oh, geez, as some water's <laughs> coming out. That's not good. Yeah. So they had to, to fix repairs. But that's... I had that, just, just done a story on the, the whole Cannonsville uh, story. Uh, and uh, right after completing that, that's when the, uh, the dam issue came up. Mm -hmm. So I was over there every day, and every day I'd shoot pictures, and every day the water level would be a little lower. You could see it recede. Yeah. What, what I think is amazing, and until, until that, that time in July 2015, when suddenly it was uh, um, foisted back in the spotlight... I didn't realize the capacity. It's a, it's a remarkable amount of water oh, that gosh. can be held in the reservoir. Yeah. Well, you know, there's another leak going on as we speak uh, in the uh, the tunnel that goes. It eventually goes under the Hudson River. There's a major leak right under there. Wasn't New York City in the process of building a new tunnel? They are. They, they built a, uh, a little extension to, to loop oh, around I've the leak. Oh, I've seen. They have to, yeah, they have yeah. a detour for the water because of, of the yeah. leak. I saw some of the pictures and video from underground. That's fascinating. Oh, yeah. Now, they haven't turned that extension on yet. They keep delaying it. Now it's uh, going to be next year, I think. So the water is still going through the leaky uh, part. 
That whole system, the whole system that supplies the New York City, New York City's water, water for whatever, 8 million people a day. And, and again, as you'll touch on Sunday, it's, it is fascinating to look back on the story yeah. about what happened to communities that existed there. And oh, you know, it, I, it was I, it, tragic for the communities. It's heartbreaking I mean, to read some of those uh, news accounts that, that were coming out as, as people learned what the fate, what their fate was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, not good. At any rate, so that should be an interesting presentation. Uh, the taking of Cannonsville. Wait, about what year did they first start talking about doing that? Was it in the it, early 50s? It or was did, in the 50s. Yeah. Uh, 54, maybe? Yeah. And then it took a few years before things finally started to happen. Yeah. And I look at, at, at some of those stories as, as covered, say, in the Binghamton Press or some of the other newspapers uh, back in the day. And I just shake my head trying to imagine if something like that were going on today, what kind of reaction there'd be. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's incredible. What a story. Yep. So you ought to tune in. All right. And again, for people interested in that Sunday afternoon presentation about the taking of Cannonsville, check out Roger Luther's Facebook page. Anything else we should know from a a historical standpoint? Uh, Any any high-profile buildings at the moment in imminent danger of being torn down? Not that I'm aware of. Well, continue We're, to pay attention. Because we are always paying attention. The, the one thing that we've come to learn, a lot of times developers don't put out news releases that they're planning to tear down historic buildings. Yeah. Sometimes I've just noticed... Yeah, little uh, Calvary Cemetery Chapel is a good oh, example. There's a heartbreaking thing, too, yeah. that... Uh, Thank you for mentioning that. That was just in the last few weeks yeah. that that we lost that. And uh, I believe it was built in 1923. And yes. I believe that had been donated by George F. Johnson and his wife. That's true. And by the way, thank you for taking some pictures. I know you documented a lot, including inside, before it was demolished. I, I had... You know what? That, that's because I got a call from a concerned citizen. Well... And that's, that's a good point, by the way. I, I mentioned to people how important it is for me for news tips, but also from a historical standpoint, if people learn that uh, a particular structure or site could be endangered, Roger Luther, the Broome County historian, wants to know about it. So, A, at a minimum, things can be documented, and, and maybe oh, maybe things, plans could be changed. Yep. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I had heard, I think I went out there, to the cemetery last May 31st because I had heard at, at some point that that would sadly be the plans were sort of underway to demolish that so I took some pictures and some video so at least I have I have what it looked like at the end of last May yeah but I, I was hoping uh, actually the photos I took were I think September October yeah. well I, I'm glad you did I saw some of those photos I did Fox 40 use them, or was that on uh, News Channel 34? I can't Fox remember. 40, yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw some of those photos. And I was was pleased because I, I had never been inside there, and um, you know, sadly, at least it's documented that site. You know, well, as as I say, we'll always have our memories. Just like I still have my memories of the Ross and O'Neill buildings across the street. Oh yeah, I remember going 
to a news conference with you, I believe, of all places over at the Phelps over on Court Street when there was talk of uh, obtaining some federal money to do studies or whatever to try somehow to keep the, um, the buildings here at the corner of Court and State in operation. And, and yeah. sadly, that couldn't be done. Yep. Roger Luther, Same. Broome County Historian, thank you for joining us. I hope you have um, a great day, and uh, I know our listeners will enjoy your upcoming presentations. Well, thank you very much, Bob. Pleasure being here. Listening to Binghamton Now on a Wednesday morning, I'm Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. I'm Bob Joseph. Welcome to my world. Thank you for spending some time here at News Radio WNBF 607-772-1290 is the number. If you'd like to talk on the air, here's the forecast. Cloudy today, some rain, mainly in the afternoon, high 42, about a quarter of an inch. Tonight, rain, patchy fog, low 40, between one quarter and one half of an inch of rain tonight. Cloudy tomorrow. Showers likely early in the day, high 48, and cloudy on Friday with a chance of rain in the morning, high 53. Right now it's 38 in downtown Binghamton, 3 Celsius here at WNBF. WNBF.com. Let's take a look at email. This, uh, should be interesting. I always wonder, what is the email address anyway? Um, yeah, they just, for some reason, they just don't seem to announce it much. Uh, New York Water System. Oh, Tommy from Binghamton. Ah, Jimmy Breslin. I think I had heard of this book, but I don't believe, I know I've never read it. Jimmy Breslin uh, apparently wrote this book about the New York water system, Table Money. Hmm. Ah. Wow. Okay, I'll have to... <laughs> I'll have to read that. Sounds, sounds intriguing. What else do we have here? Do-do-do-do-do. Let's see. Oh, Johan from Endicott writes about the uh, the Duncan litigation. A couple of things to accept with this. Uh, one, the raw ingredients for non-dairy and non-gluten options generally do cost more than more mainstream commodity ingredients do. Okay. 
Two, one can choose to go elsewhere, vote with your dollar. Three, this is insanity to clog up our judicial system with a lawsuit such as this. Thank you, Johan. Well, what I do know about the United States, we are a litigious society. <laughs> like that's a surprise. But it'll be interesting to see what the court decides. Yes, people can vote to go elsewhere. Uh, personally, and I think this gets back to the point I made with um, the caller, I believe it was Elsa Mawigo, who called uh, right before the news, and she mentioned about ingredients and substitutions. I still maintain if if... And it's a big if. Say if Duncan was charging $2 more for these non-dairy alternatives, it just seems to me that that might be more than they really have to. I'm not saying that it should be against the law. I'm just saying I'm not sure that it's fair. But then again, like any business, they can do what they want. You know, if, if I go to uh, a coffee place and say I want... Whatever. This, this is a dumb idea because I wouldn't ask for it. But say if I wanted maple syrup, pure maple syrup in my coffee, give me two squirts of pure maple syrup. And that might be, we'll just say that's a dollar's worth of pure maple syrup. And then they went and charged me three dollars for it. I would say that would be a little much. But then again, it's their place. And they can do whatever they want unless a court finds they uh, discriminated against someone. So I'm going to follow that case closely just because it's interesting. I I don't know what I would decide. I just think think for businesses, if you're going to uh, provide certain options to people, a reasonable cost for a, a certain option, I understand. But if they're charging $2 for something that really only cost them $0.50, cents, Personally, I would I would think that they might want to re-examine their price structure. But then again, yeah, a lot of places I'm told simply charge what they think the market will bear. It's not reflective of what it actually what their true cost is. It's what they think they can get away with. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's uh, on your mind? What's your first name? Where you're calling from? Bob, it's Gary from the west side in the Villages, Florida. How are you today? Good. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to, uh, I heard you guys talking about vice presidents, you know, who would make a good vice president. And I was thinking there might be one individual, if people had open minds, that could fit both parties. How about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for vice president? According to him, he's trending very highly with, uh, people under 45 years of age. And also he's trending very highly with independents and with uh, Democrats who are undecided and Republicans who are undecided, according to him. So how could that not be a good fit if somebody's looking for a vice president that could put them over the top? Can't, you can get can't, all I, can't, I can't imagine Trump or Biden would choose him. Right now, maybe not. Yeah. No. And by the way, you you included the appropriate caveat at every every juncture, according to him. According you know, to him. Yeah. That's I, correct, I mean, right. the reality is, 
in my my humble opinion, guy guy isn't that popular. He thinks he is. The only reason, in my opinion, and people are entitled to call in and disagree because I I know some people have um, a different opinion than this. They they actually do like a lot of what he says. In my opinion, if his last name wasn't Kennedy, nobody would pay any attention to him. That's a possibility. Now, but he he says he's popular on like social media, right? Where it's hard to get numbers from that too, isn't it? It's difficult to see how that's trending or whatever, mm-hmm. where, you know, he's, he's not popular on regular TV and stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, I just thought uh, I'd throw that out there. I know oh, it's very it, unlikely. Yeah, very well, unlikely. who knows? You know, it's life is strange. What we do know uh, in not that distant, in, in the not that distant past, some uh, presidential candidates have wound up choosing a running mate, even someone who they didn't like, simply, you know, in, an, in a cynical way just to get elected. So I I wouldn't say never. So thank you for throwing that out there. So you're listening to us in the, in the, what do they call it, the villages? Yeah, the beautiful villages in Florida. Yes, I'm down visiting my brother. And it's a fantastic day down here, Bob. It's uh, it's going to be 85 degrees and sunny, and I and I get to play golf, which in January, which is it's just a wonderful thing. I feel so blessed. I'm so thankful. I came down on a velo right out of Binghamton, New York. Flew straight down here. And it's I'm nice. Fine. It's a quick flight. I know people who've taken advantage of the service, and I think you can be in Binghamton at one moment, or Broome County, up in the town of Maine at the airport, and you could be down in the Orlando area in less than three hours. Right. It's a little stressful coming back in the Orlando airport just because there's more people but leaving Binghamton and flying in. Oh, it's great. You yeah. know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very good experience, you know. Well, I, I, I hope to experience that sometime soon. I hope you do too, Bob. Thanks for listening, and have a good day. Thank you. It's 1144. That's a story from the villages making contemporary news. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Streaming at WNBF.com. What did you say? That's what I thought you said. It's 11.47 here at WNBF with Bob Joseph. Coming up, noon to 3, Dan Bongino, 3 to 6, Sean Hannity, and 6 to 9, Mark Levin. Plenty of opinion, plenty of talk right here at WNBF. And remember, we bring you live local talk. How many stations actually have the nerve to do that? We're here Every weekday morning from 9 to noon on Binghamton Now. And we thank you for listening. We thank you for calling. We always love hearing from our regular guests and and from new callers as well. The jury took less than two hours to find Kevin Monahan guilty of murder. This is the person in Washington County who started shooting when 
I believe a couple of vehicles accidentally turned into his driveway. So apparently Kevin Monaghan didn't like people in his driveway at night, so he started shooting, and ultimately, because of his shooting, 20-year-old Kalen Gillis was dead. So he faces 25 years to life. The judge in the case allowed jurors to weigh a manslaughter charge against Monaghan, but rejected a defense motion to have the jury consider a lesser charge of criminally negligent homicide. Monaghan was found guilty of all charges, which also include reckless endangerment and tampering with evidence. He is scheduled to be sentenced on March 1st. So, here's a good rule of thumb. If somebody turns into your driveway at night and you're afraid, don't start shooting. Or you face the consequences. Unfortunately, in this case, a jury decided that 66-year-old Kevin Monaghan is guilty of murder. And so now he could face a long time in prison. So the maximum sentence, 25 to life. Do I think there's any chance that Kevin Monaghan will be sentenced to 25 to life? No, he won't. What will a judge do? Who knows? We'll see. I don't know, five to ten, three to five. Probably even worse, though, than the prison time is, I would guess, having to live with yourself knowing you wound up killing a 20-year-old person who was in a car that had some people who were looking for a party, and evidently they didn't know where they were. It's 11.50. WNBF, Binghamton Now. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Bob Joseph, Binghamton Now on WNBF on this Wednesday morning. And it was... Sad news indeed to learn that Charles Osgood has died. He was 91. Headline in the New York Times today, print edition, Charles Osgood, voice of reason and rhyme on the news, dies at 91. Charles Osgood, a newscaster who told unconventional stories on the radio in unconventional ways, sometimes with rhyme, sometimes with humor, and often with both He died at his home in Saddle River, New Jersey. He was 91. He was a familiar face on TV. He hosted Sunday Morning on CBS from 1994 to 2016, but his passion was the medium he had grown up listening to in the 30s and 40s, so much so that he closed his TV broadcast by saying, See you on the radio. An oxymoron to be sure, but one masked by the cleverness that his audiences had come to expect. Yes, Charles Osgood was uh, really one of a kind, and uh, he will be missed. Here's a, a brief clip. This is something I posted on Twitter 
This goes back to August 28, 1967, and WCBS Radio in New York had decided on that Monday morning to switch to an all-news format. They still have an all-news format at WCBS. Here we are in 2024. But one of the first people that morning on WCBS anchoring the morning news was Charles Osgood. Listen to this brief clip from that day back in 1967 when a young Charles Osgood was anchoring the first day of the all-news format at WCBS. This is News Radio 88 WCBS FM New York. Parachuting disaster on Lake Erie. As many as five feared killed as a light plane hits the WCBS radio tower. And a wave of terrorism in Vietnam. And that was it. That's all the time we have. I'm Bob Joseph, listening to Binghamton Now. WNBF.